on episode 532 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Amy Freinberg Trufus and discuss her book, Food, Eat with Ease Every Day. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 532. If you decided you're ready to make a change to reclaim your health and fitness, the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. Each week, we dive deep into health and fitness topics that affect those of us over 40. I'm Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM certified personal trainer with specializations in corrective exercise, behavior change, and fitness nutrition, a FAI certified functional aging specialist, and an OTA level two online trainer. I'm joined each week by our co-host, Rachel Everett. She is an NASM certified personal trainer and a RRCA level one run coach. Let us be your coaches as you find your way on your health and fitness journey, all right? Let's go. Hello, Raz. How are things? Good, Alan. How are you today? Going okay. Uh, I guess as this comes out, we'll be hitting the prime of tax season. And today I went ahead and said, okay, well, you know, I got a new computer. I'm going to go ahead and move my files over and start my tax return because I got my accounting done for this and that. And I can't find my tax file from last year. So I'm a little bit of a freak out as we came into this call of, I can't lose that file. should be backed up somewhere. So hopefully that was backed up. I know I had backups mm-hmm. going, so I just got to go back somewhere and find a, something in the history and say, okay, where's this, this file? Cause it's, it has to be out there somewhere, but oh, it's yeah. not on my hard drive. And when I open up the old TurboTax, it doesn't find the file, huh. uh, but you know, I filed with them. So I, I don't know. I, and I don't do the online thing. I've always had it on my desktop because I don't mm-hmm. always know, again, not always having connectivity. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. web-based apps are just not all that cool. Uh, so yeah. sometimes I just like having the application on my computer. Uh, because again, if I went out there and tried to open up an old year's tax return, they'd say, oh, this is an old year. You can't, whatever. Uh, I like yeah. having the application on my computer and I've been using TurboTax forever. So oh, I should wow. have all those returns, but we'll see what I got to do. I may have to request yeah. a transcript from the IRS just to do my damn taxes, but <laughs> well, I hope it shows up. I'm sure it'll turn up somewhere. Yeah. How are things up there? Good, good. Spring is here, getting busy this season. My son graduates from college. And so we're planning all those types of celebrations. And it's just, it's really a beautiful time of year up here. All right. Yeah. You showed, I saw some pictures on your Facebook of the frogs mm-hmm. and yeah. whatnot and things that are coming yeah. out of, uh, out of their uh all of hibernation oh yeah they're all defrosting I, right now I, it's a frog man i'd so be going south uh, they have it so made down here. right yeah yeah that's for sure yeah it's beautiful a lot of new animals are coming through the birds are migrating it's it's really a fun time of year to be outside yeah, for enjoy all six weeks of it. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and in yes. about a week or so, you're going to be doing your run. I mean, this is a, I think yeah. as we're listening to this, you've done it probably, I guess, right. or you're close to doing it. And right. then you're gonna be on your way back. And so mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll know more, but you're in your taper. Yep. Yep. In the taper, taking the mileage down, but not the intensity. 
And I've got a meeting with my coach coming up to talk about goals. I've surpassed what um, I had expected. So my five-hour goal is pretty much in the bag. I just need to maybe tune that in a better time goal, I think, for me. So it should be interesting to have that conversation. Yeah. All right. Well, and so you'll have your pacing down and all that and Mm kind of know a plan going into this. Right. Yep. I'll have a race plan, hopefully, in the next week or so. Cool. Well, we'll talk about yeah. it next time we're on and uh, we can, uh, okay. we can get into your, uh, well, next time we're actually going to record two episodes and mm-hmm. then the following time. So it'll be a few weeks before you hear how Rachel yeah. did on her, on our time yeah. trial. Five hours is the goal. Uh, she's going to blow that out of the water. I'm, I'm pretty sure, but, uh, I hope so. You will, you will. <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> Don't play coy yep. with me. You're going to, you're going <laughs> to, yep. Yeah. But anyway, we'll talk good. about it in a few weeks. All right, great. All right. Sounds Are you good. ready to get into a conversation with Amy? Sure. Our guest today has lost and gained over a thousand pounds over the course of her life. From her highest weight to her current weight, she's lost 150 pounds. This time, though, she's kept it off. Featured in numerous television broadcasts, articles, and podcasts, including the Dr. Oz Show's Shocking Health Transformations episode. In her book, Food, Eat with Ease Every Day, She shares with the world how and why she finally made peace with a lifetime addiction to food and how this process led her to achieve a healthy weight and discover self-love. With no further ado, here's Amy Freinberg-Trufus. Amy, welcome to 40 Plus Fitness. I'm so happy to be here, Alan. Thank you. Thrilled. So your book, Food, one of my favorite topics, uh, Eat With Ease Every Day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like you, I'm, I'm kind of a foodie too. I, I, I love food uh, and it's a big part of my life uh, as well. I love cooking. I love having that as a part of my life. And uh, for you, it was, but then it became kind of a darker part of your life. We're going to get into that uh, in a bit uh, about why, why, what, what you went through a little bit and some of the feelings and things that you had around food and dieting and exercise and all the stuff we were told just, just move more, eat less kind of conversations uh, and why that wasn't necessarily the way you needed to do this. And I think the message that you're going to bring out and that you've brought out in this book is, is a good message for a lot of people to hear. Wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm a foodie too. I love food. And I think one of the things that was so difficult was as a child, some of the things I went through, I turned to food to move through it. It was the only thing I had that was consistent, that I felt like I was in control of, that was, you know, quote, there for me all the time, no matter what. But what happened over time was constantly turning to food brought more problems, which for me was severe obesity, body pain, not being well, not being strong in my body. And then internally, I say in the book, the bigger I got on the outside, the more I shrunk on the inside. Until honestly, I was a shadow of myself, trapped in a huge body, saying no when I desperately wanted to say yes, and just not not showing up the way I want to show up. And I know that's such an overused term now, showing up. But for me, that truly was it because I was just saying no to things. And, and Amy inside was like, oh, please, I wish I could do that. I wish I could water ski. I wish I could put on a bathing suit and go to the beach. I wish... I could say, yes, I don't know if the movie seat is going to be too tight on my hips. These were all things that's how bad it got for me so that I was just completely retreated within myself. And then there was always food. So it was, you know, I think uh, Irene Pace summed it up really beautifully in the foreword. She's a nutritionist when she said, 
what had once been adaptive for me and brilliant because it helped young Amy get through difficult things ultimately became maladaptive. And she was quick to say that doesn't mean we're bad or broken. It means in a way we're brilliant. So I thought that was such a beautiful way to start the book because so so many of us live with this hyperactive critic just beating us down all the time. And if you think about it as a moment of brilliance that got you through so that you're here today to make a new decision, it's really pretty powerful. It is. You know, I really want to ask you the question about the gorilla and your mother and the child. Um, you're, the we'll first, you're the first person who brought that up. And I knew when I dropped that, I was like, someone's going to ask me about this. If you want to talk about it, we can. I've got another direction we can go. It, it, we can talk you. about it offline or whatever. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. Tell the story. Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> Um, my mother was a, was kind of a tough customer, and she took a bunch of us to a local game farm that was, I think by today's standard, probably illegal. Uh, there were like panthers there roaming around with, a, you know, basically a dog leash. There were riding around on the back of, of sort of like half car, half trucks with a little rope. And, you know, she brought a bunch of us kids, and I think I was six or seven, and my best friend's little brother was five and they had this chain link fence fence with a full grown male gorilla inside and a pulley system. So you dropped, you, you pulled like a clothesline pulley system. You pulled the, the bucket. There was a bucket hanging off of it. You pulled the bucket over to you. You dropped the food in and the gorilla was so smart that it pulled the pulley back. It ate the food out of it. And you know, that was the, that was the fun. Well, my my friend's little brother somehow got up on the chain link fence and leaned his head over it so that the chain link was here. Somehow the, the rope got slipped behind his neck and the gorilla started pulling. And what that did was trap him in between the chain link fence and the rope behind his neck. And he was hanging there. He wasn't dead or dying at that moment he wasn't but he was definitely in distress and he was definitely stuck and then the gorilla started pulling and then he was in big trouble his face was red he was hanging off the ground he was literally trapped there and my mother ran dropped what she was doing ran over there were, there was no help because this was like a really makeshift outfit here and yeah. she i remember her she had long fingernails and she got natural she got her fingernails under the rope between the rope and my friend's little brother's skin. So she had to use so hard that she did scratch him and it did bleed, but she got just enough room between his skin and that rope and she pulled and the, the gorilla started pulling and she pulled and he pulled and she pulled and she got it open enough that Kyle dropped to the ground. Well, she was PO'd. She was furious. <laughs> so she took Kyle and she went to the owner's office and he was it really is kind of like a funny image. And I still remember it. He had like a safari outfit on and these big alligator skin boots. And he has them up on his desk and a big 10 gallon cowboy hat on the desk. And she went in there like raising hell. And she said, this is unacceptable. This child was injured. Look what happened to him. He was trapped. The gorilla had him pinned against the chain link fence. And, and I had to pull him out. And he said, hold on a minute, lady. What are you telling me here? Are you telling me that you had a tug of war basically with a gorilla and you won 
And she said, yes, I won. This child would have died. And he said, that gorilla had the strength of 10 men. Yeah. Well, when you're, when you're in that kind of mindset, strange things, interesting things can happen. So thank you for sharing that story. In in all fairness, it was just one sentence in the entire book, but I did have to ask. (laughs) I thought it was better to leave it as one sentence because it got you questioning like what? It it did. It did get the question. Absolutely. Good. Thank you for asking. Yeah, but there's there's one other story uh, that I think is is actually much more important, uh, particularly of what we want to talk about today, uh, and that was towards the end of your father's life, and he was talking to your son, and you were fortunate uh, to be an observer in that conversation because he could have just as easily said, "No, I want to talk to him alone," and you wouldn't have been in the room, but you were, and he said something that changed your life. And, and I'll let you say the quote, because again, I think it, it means a lot to you. And I think it's going to mean a lot to our listeners if they hear you say this, but go ahead and say what you heard him say to your son. Make the life you want, be happy. And that's powerful. That is hugely powerful. I'm so, I'm so glad your son heard that. I'm so glad you heard that because it, it really did change the, the direction of your life. It, it absolutely did. And there's a simple sort of brilliance in it. There's no arguing with a logic for me. Um, I do believe that we have the ability and actually taking it a step further, the responsibility to fashion a life that best suits us and those that we love in this life. And if you step into that responsibility, and you make choices that align with it, amazing things happen. Now, a a lot of folks want to lose weight. And one of the ways they know to do this, and it's the way they they try and they don't succeed. (laughs) I'm not going to use the other word. They try and they don't succeed. They try and they don't succeed. Um, And eventually, even the word diet and dieting becomes synonymous with punishment. I agree 100%. I'm nodding my head furiously here. It's when, whenever I, when I was on just about every diet known to man and woman here, um, and none of them worked for me because the minute I started to diet, I felt I was being deprived. It was about deprivation. Now I can't have my favorite thing. Now I have to go to bed hungry. Um, I have to eat small portions And keep in mind, up until this point, and including this point, actually, food is my go-to, is my go-to coping mechanism. So without the ability to go to food when I'm feeling an uncomfortable emotion, what do I do now? I'm not a drinker, I'm not a smoker. What do I reach for? What do I do? And that's, I think, for me, why I always didn't succeed, to use your words, because I felt like I was deprived, I felt like I was being punished. Food is now my enemy. The thing that got me to live as long as I did is now my enemy. And I don't know how to be right with it. I couldn't make heads or tails of it up to that point. No, we're, we're going to get into some of those in a minute. But uh, I did want to take one more step and have this conversation because this is the other side of it. You know, you go to your doctor and they say, well, you need to, you need to go on a diet and you need to uh, move more. And if, um, if you're, if you've ever been out of shape, like really out of shape, the concept of moving more, uh, is painful. The concept of doing these things, um, around 
particularly around people or, or you know, at all, uh, it, there's a lot of, of stuff going on in there, uh, in your head and, and what you're telling yourself. And so in a sense, it, it, it's another punishment. You're exactly right. It's, uh, you know, I didn't feel I belonged in a gym, a, a 320 pound woman, uh, getting on equipment. Am I going to hurt myself? The first thing I used to think was, am I going to break this? Is this thing going to hold my weight? Because I had been on things that didn't hold my weight. I was in a patio chair that collapsed. It's horrifying. It's mortifying. It's embarrassing. And I also knew that I wasn't, you know, tremendously fit. I, I think I always had sort of a strong structure under my body. First of all, I carried all that extra weight, so I had to be pretty strong. Um, but I wasn't traditionally fit, you know. I I I sort of bullied my way through things, bullied meaning my own in my own mind. Oh, just do it. I just have to get that done with. Let me just get that done and, and check it off. So for something like going to a gym, that's the mindset I would have. It was not enjoyable. And it was scary and embarrassing because you know that if you're really and the really big people listening to this know what I'm saying to put yourself in a spot where there's predominantly very healthy people. You feel like you're, you're sort of an object of glances at, at the kindest and ridicule at that worst. So it's nothing pleasant or fun about that proposition. Yeah. Well, I will say this and, and it won't make any sense or it won't really necessarily change how you feel about this, but I can tell you, that most of us at the gym are happy to have you there. We're happy to see you doing things that are positive for yourself. So um, I, I know that's I not agree necessarily going to change it. Way, yeah. now, that I'm, now that I'm a person who's a little more fit, who goes to the gym, I agree with you. But my experience as a 300 plus pound person, that was the critic in my head yeah. saying I didn't belong there. I was going to break something. I was going to hurt myself. And also... Alan, I had no confidence in my body's ability to do this. I didn't. And as soon as my heart rate got a little faster, I was frightened. I'm going to die. I'm going to blow up my heart because I can't handle this weight. Just a lot of things. And these were, to your point, all internal within my head. You know, I was so, I was so used to being ridiculed that I expected it everywhere I went. You know, I thought, oh, I'm asking for it going in here, you know? So the way I like to, couch this is you, you found a tool chest. Okay. Um, you didn't have that tool chest when you started, when you heard the message from your father, make the life you want, be happy. You knew that's what you had to do. But at that point, you really didn't have even a plan, which in the end, I'm going to tell you was to your benefit because so many people throw tactics and strategies out there without actually figuring things out for themselves first. Now you call them the eat with ease commitments. And I love that word. That's a very important word in, in, in my vocabulary as well. Um, and there are Which nine one, ease or commitments? Uh, well, ease is not necessarily a word. Commitment for sure. Um, and we'll get a little bit into it. You've talked a lot about your why and things like that. But to me, commitment is the marriage of the vision of where you're supposed to be, who you're supposed to be, that, that happy person living the life they're supposed to be living. And the commitment is the why you've got to get there. Um, you had a young boy. I had a, a daughter. 
uh, there were reasons for us to decide, okay, I'm not going down this path. Um, I need to do, I need to get on a different path, my aging path. I see it. I see it's in front of me. If I keep yeah. doing this, then this it's, there was no other thing, but to change it because I made the commitment to be different. And predominantly at the time, it was my daughter that was the driving force emotionally for me of mm-hmm. why I did it. That's where I come up with commitment as, as a basic phrase. Now, yours are these, these kind of uh, steps and they're, they're tools, as I like to say, of how to get there. And, and quite literally, yeah, listen to this part again. She's going to say these, but I want you to listen to it time and time again, because these are not easy. But when you have these in your tool chest, you've got the magic key. You've got the formula sitting right in front of you. Uh, So Amy, if you would take us through the nine eat with ease commitments. Yes, I would love to. And exactly what you said, I knew what I had to do. And that was align myself with now my new mantra, which is make the life you want be happy. That's all I thought about. Like, how am I going to flip this and get? to the point where I feel happy. I didn't know how to do it. And if I had to know how to do it, I never would have started. So what I what I realized when I sat down to write the book was that I owed it to the reader to sort of dissect what was my path in retrospect. So I want to just reiterate that you don't have to know how to get all the way to the end. It boils down to one choice. As, and, and that one choice can unfold and lead you to the next choice. So the nine that I came up with in retrospect are the first one was patience. I had to accept. I'm, I'm a pretty intense person. I want to make a decision, make the life I want be happy. Now I'm going to be happy and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Well, yesterday, that's yesterday, <laughs> and I'm going to lay my head on the pillow and that'll have a check mark on it. I'm a big, you know, checker offer. I'm a total type A, but this weight owned me. So I, I, I couldn't type a it. So I had to like take a breath and realize that it's okay. I, I don't have to know right now. I gave myself permission and I trusted in myself enough that if I got really patient about it, time would work in my benefit. I over time will be able to figure this out. So that was the first step rather than looking for the quick fix, the shake with all the things that I had not succeeded at in the past let me be patient and see what unfolds and what I can figure out. Let me get my brain in on this and work through it. That was the first. The second one was be curious, which goes right along with be patient because you can be patient all day, but if you don't wonder about things, the answer may or may not start to unfold for itself. So I decided to, to once I realized you know, that I'm going to give myself time to figure it out, I realized how much I absolutely didn't know. I didn't know about my body. I didn't know about metabolism. I didn't know about macronutrients. I didn't know about, you know, hey, here's the funniest thing. I, I didn't know that what you drank counted as calories. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. I thought that because it went right through, it was a zero. A lot of things I didn't know about my own body as a grown woman who'd given birth was like amazing, Right. So I I got curious about all the things that I didn't know about, and that came out in time. And and what I realized looking back was that allowing myself to be curious really let me start to find things that worked for me. And I don't think this is a one-size-fits-all, no pun intended, proposition. I think people have to get curious and wonder about what really feels right to them, even, even for now, and that we can adjust as we go on. Because 
This has to work long-term or else it absolutely falls apart. Next one was, I absolutely refused to punish myself around food. That was done because my whole life I suffered around being severely overweight or around food. It was time to give that whole thing hard stop, done. So I made that commitment. No more punishment, no more suffering around food. That means no starving, no going to bed hungry, no depriving myself of my favorite thing. If I feel like having a little piece of dark chocolate, that is not going to gnaw away at my head that I can no longer have dark chocolate for the rest of my life because newsflash, I'm going to quit. It's that it's, if you tell me I can't have dark chocolate, I'm out. It's, it's, it's a no, it's a, it's a no deal thing. So I had to, I had to solve that too. And then once I started to realize the things that would start to work and not work with me, I realized I needed to meet with some experts. That was someone who could help me move safely, a trainer or Pilates instructor in my case, a nutritionist, somebody, you know, who, who um, was right on my insurance plan that I was able to go speak with. And she taught me about my resting metabolic rate, um, why proteins and carbs and fats are different, how they work in the body. I had no idea about this level of um, chemistry or nutrition in the body on the cellular level and what your body actually needs to function well. And I also didn't know like breaking down muscle and how you build it back up using protein. No idea. So once I started to, to meet with people who are experts, it sort of informed me. And then with the information they gave me, I was able to say yes and no to some things that fit that I knew I could commit to long-term. And then the next, speaking of committing, the next one was I promised to move my body. And my promise to myself was I wouldn't go to bed. I wouldn't put my head on the pillow that night unless I moved. Had to do something. Could be It could be a couple hours of housework. Could be walking around the village. It could be going to the gym. It could be a Pilates session. It could be yoga. It could be a stretching session. I, I was so disconnected from my body at that time. There, the Amy inside was so shrunken that I didn't inhabit my body. I didn't want to inhabit my body. So I had to mend that, that break. And, and again, I know this now back then, what I just, what I just could muster was, I think I need to move my body. I need to feel like it's under me when I'm walking up a flight of steps. I know I have to get healthier because in the back of my mind, I'm going to be this 400 pound woman in a wheelchair in a nursing home sooner rather than later. And I didn't like that idea at all. So I knew I had to start to move a little bit. Um, And then we're up to number six. Number six was super helpful and I still do it today. I have a tracker on my smartphone and I enter everything I eat and I treat it like my trusted accountant. A friend of mine is like, oh, I don't want to track all day. I don't think of it as the negative. I think of it as like a really important tool in my, to use your words, my tool chest. This thing is helping me to be successful with my food budget every day. And I know I really love food, right? We talked about this and I don't want to be deprived. So I'm having to find and and get curious about ways to eat food that I really enjoy and still feel satisfied so that I can do this long-term. So the, the food tracker for me is the key. Also, because it tracks the nutrition, the nutrients, it really helps me try to look for that balance. Yeah. Um, and number, number seven, I love this one, discover my love tribe, which again, in retrospect, along the way, I had really nice people supportive. You know, when you said there's people in the gym who are really happy to see you there, I did come across those people. 
Um, I had this three mile route around my house. And one day a woman pulled over and said, you don't know me. And I, I don't mean to startle you, but I've been watching your transformation and, you know, you're amazing and you're inspiring me to do this too. So it's these people who will show up in your life and cheer you on, or more than that, become a partner in it and a buddy in it and really help you. And you don't have to know them now. Just trust if you're ready to take this step that they're going to show up in your, in your path for sure. I think of it like, you know, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz come across all these characters who, who help you get to the, get to the golden or the, the Emerald city, you know, it is really cool. And then commitment eight, utilize new tools for me. That was like weighing my food with a kitchen scale, um, getting a digital scale. These are the, the physical things that helped me the food tracker on my phone, a good pair of sneakers, just some basic things that helped me to get through not too expensive, either affordable for most people. And then nine, I committed to writing from what I call right from the spirit, which is I kept a journal and I shared my trials and my tribulations and um, my love tribe started to get in on it and, and cheer me on or jump in too and share their and share their struggles around food. And we'd sort of like put our heads together and figure out, all right, is there a smart way that we can get through this and still maintain what we're trying to do for ourselves? So those were those were the nine it was eat with these commitments. Yeah. And, and those, like I said, those are really great tools uh, as you go through and you don't have to have all of them when you start this. Uh, over time, you're going to develop the things and, and develop them the way that's important to you, particularly if you're doing the first two, if you've got patience, which is maybe the hardest one. Uh, and then you add curiosity. Uh, from there, the rest of it is just solving problems and putting it all together in a way that's sustainable for you uh, as you go. And, um, you know, it, it's not going to happen overnight and it didn't happen overnight, but it was happening. And as it happened, you got momentum, you started snowballing, you exactly. met the right people, you brought the right people into your life. And over time, it just, it gets better and better and better. Now you mentioned Dorothy. And so I'm going to, I'm going to play off of that a little bit now in the whole story of Dorothy, she always had what she needed to get home mm. with her. Okay. And that's kind of the message that you brought up towards the end of the book is that this is all born out of self-love. This is already in you. And while you said you, the bigger you were on the outside, the smaller you felt on the inside, uh, the converse became true as you, and, and, and I'm going to say, as you got bigger on the inside, you got smaller on the outside. Because uh, as I read the story, that's kind of how I interpreted it. Um, mm. You started getting bigger on the inside through self-love, and your health and your weight took care of themselves. I, I love that, and I, I I think there's some truth to that. Although I didn't feel that way during the process, if that makes sense, and. You know, there's this sort of this push out there. Oh, you just have to love yourself. You just have to love yourself. Well, my experience when I was so overweight, I didn't feel that I loved myself because I was at such dis-ease with, with my body. It didn't feel good, Alan. I mean, I was painful. I, I was compulsively eating. I was saying no to things because of this vehicle, you know, didn't didn't allow me spiritually to like get out and do what I wanted to do. And that didn't feel very loving. But what I realized is that even by just choosing patience, 
that's a huge loving gesture. And wouldn't we do that with someone that we loved around us? Of course. You know, if your child comes to you and they're really upset, the first thing you have to do is be patient and listen to them, hear them out, try to help them arrive to their own solution, right? Be a sounding board. Yet the old Amy was was um, overly critical and I wasn't patient with myself. So I think the biggest step in being you know, and starting the whole idea of self-love to your point is that moment where I decided I'm going to do it differently now. Let me just start by being patient. And, and I think you're right. That was the creation of the whole, the whole thing. I have to say, I didn't say, let me love myself. I love myself and look at myself in the mirror and say, I love you, Amy. None of that was happening. None, none of that. But what was happening was I was exerting a sort of kindness to myself that I had never done in the past. And I didn't, you know, intellectualize it as I'm being extremely kind with myself. I intellectualized it as I'm going to make the life I want. Yeah, it was that, it was that I was holding on to that mantra boy with white knuckled love. Just (laughs) let me, that that made such impact on me that I held on to that for literally my dear life. And good. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Dad. (laughs) Amy, I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest, and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well? This is a great question. You know, obviously, I'm going to have to go back to a couple of the commitments in the book. The first one is we talked a lot about patience and and curiosity and, and wondering about what feels good and what fits best for us. But the next thing I want to add on to that is just expressing a level of kindness to ourselves. If someone out there wants to get started, but they feel like they have to do it perfectly, there's many of us who are perfectionists. And that whole idea that I don't know what to do, therefore I won't start, I would just invite them to be beautifully imperfect. You know, um, there's, there's, a, there's a type of perfection in, in, in embracing our imperfection because it allows us to step forward. And sometimes that's all we have to do. The second thing that I would offer is that any journey, any decisions, and actually everything and anything we do every day boils down to one choice at a time. So if you came to me, Alan, in in five years ago and said, you know what, Amy, you have to lose 150 pounds and you have to know how to do it right now. And you have to stick to it and you're going to do it. I would be out of my mind because I didn't have any of that skill set. But what I what I did have was that mantra in my mind and that why. So having the why for me was a way for me to put one foot in front of the other and just try the next choice and also realize that if the choice wasn't perfect, I could make another choice. So that was the second one. And the, the third thing I would say is start. Just start. and and. You know, every day is a clean slate. And if we break it down even more, every moment is a clean slate. And there's so much opportunity in that. Thank you, Amy. Um, If someone wanted to learn more about you, uh, learn more about the book, Food, Eat With Ease Every Day, where would you like for me to send them? If they want to learn more about me, they can jump on my website, which is amyfreinberg.com, and I'll spell it out. It's www.amyfreinberg.com, and 
if they want to grab the book, they can go to Amazon and it's food, eat with ease every day. All right. You can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 532, and I'll be sure to have the links there. Amy, thank you so much for being a part of 40 Plus Fitness. Thank you. This was a blast. <laughs> Love it. Me too. Thank you. Welcome back, Raz. Hey, Alan. That was a really an interesting conversation with Amy. And food addiction is one of those really hard topics to tackle, but she seemed to get her um, situation together pretty well. And her nine rules or eat with ease commitments were a really nice guideline for her. Yeah. You know, what I really took away from this, this conversation, and I've, I've had similar people on uh, in the past, and I've had people that were on the exact opposite of this paradigm, is that mm-hmm. we, we all have this relationship with food. And right. some of them become, uh, for a lack of a better word, abusive relationships. Uh, we're using food uh, at the time, maybe for the right reasons. You know, it helped her get past a very hard time in her life. Uh, but then it becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. And food is not something you just stay away from. You can sit there and say, okay, well, that's abusive. Stop it. Uh, this is not something you can just stop. You have to deal with it in your own way. And, uh, you know, we had Susan on uh, a few weeks ago, uh, and she had a very clear, I have to set my lines. I have to stay within the boundaries. Uh, and if I stay within the boundaries, then I'm successful and I feel good. Uh, that I'm doing the right thing. Now, again, she she knows because of the testing she's done that she's addicted to food. And therefore, she there's certain foods that are going to trigger her. She knows those foods. She's taken the time to do that. Whereas Amy comes at it from more of a, I'm going to have compassion for myself. I'm going to find my way through this because I believe in myself. You know, that whole make yourself do, do your thing, be happy. Um, which, you know, again, I, I misquoted that. But again, it's the concept of, yeah. She deserves to be happy and recognizing mm-hmm. that she deserves that she's doing the yeah. things that are necessary to care for herself. Not all the time. She doesn't have to have those bright lines that Susan had to have, but she's, she's doing her thing. Mm-hmm. Well, Amy mentioned her dad had mentioned, make the life you want and be happy. And so that sounds like the foundation for what she needed to build on her plan to get healthy. Whereas Susan, like you said, she had some very hard lines, like, you know, with the flour and sugar, I think were her triggers to send her spiraling out of control. Whereas Amy had some different situations that she was able to navigate instead. But one of the couple of the top rules that she had for um, her eat with ease commitments was be a patient and be curious and that's, those are two great rules. You just need to be patient with yourself and you need to learn how to live a different lifestyle, how to change your eating habits and how to view food as fuel or as, as a different, for a different reason and not just coping from the hard situations in life. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a big part of self-awareness mm-hmm. and I've, I've talked about this over and over again, that you, you do have to know yourself. Because in, in this space, in this diet and exercise space, there are so many absolutisms. You know, as this one will say, you have to go keto. You have to go <laughs> vegan. You can't eat this. Yes. You must not uh-huh. do that. You have to abstain from these foods. Uh, all those different things. You know, I tend to be a lot more 
holistic and agnostic about all this stuff and say, if you're eating whole food, you've solved 99% of the problem. True. Um, And then it's just making decisions on your day-to-day when you're put into situations where something else is there and maybe the whole food option isn't available. You find yourself Mm -hmm. stuck. And now here you are in an airport and it's like, okay, you're walking through the airport to try to find something healthy to eat. Uh, and they don't make it easy. You've got to walk by six McDonald's and a oh, subway and a this and a that to get <laughs> to a place where you might find something that's a little bit more to your liking and fit your fit, what you're looking for. Uh, mm-hmm. That's really, really hard. You know, going to dinner when 90% of the menu is not your menu. It's not meant for you at this point. And so the ap- absolutisms of avoiding the word diet, avoiding mm-hmm. these other things. I'm like, no, for some of us, it is a diet. It's, it's a temporary thing. We do it and then we stop doing it mm-hmm. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. For others, it's, it's the bright lines, rope yourself off and you do your thing within those mm-hmm. parameters. And we were talking before we came on, it's sort of like some of the laws that are out there. Everybody knows, okay, with a traffic law, your speed limit, you're like, oh, well, if I go about seven miles over the speed limit, no harm, no foul, right? Whereas you say, well, I sort of rob a bank. <laughs> hmm. You know, so sometimes you, need, yeah, sometimes you <laughs> need the bank robber rules of don't rob banks, mm-hmm. you know, don't kill people, don't do these things. These are rules, they're specific. And some of us really need those rules. Right. And then other people, you know, if you tone it down a bit, you're just a little over the speed limit, it's okay. You know, so you say, yes, I can have this temporarily or occasionally. Um, I can enjoy this detour and get back on the road. And I really haven't lost any ground for some people. That's fine. For others, it's Mm -hmm. like, no, I've, these are bank robber rules and I've got to stay on my road. Exactly. And this is how I'm going to do it. So, you know, as I go into my tough mutter training, it was, okay, this is, this is my food. Mm-hmm. I step on this and I wouldn't normally do this, but I step on the scale every single day. Mm-hmm. Every morning when I wake up, the scale is literally right beside my bed. I roll off the bed. I weigh myself every single mm-hmm. morning. Wow. Um, and so I know, I know how I'm tracking because I know that if I'm able to lose a certain amount of weight, that it's going to make my race better, easier, sure. more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. There's zero reason for me to try to carry 228.6 pounds on this, <laughs> on this race uh, when I know I can get myself down to 200 or less. So for many of us, it is hard, fast rules. For others, maybe a little softer approaches, a little bit more self-compassion, a little bit more speed limity type stuff where you, know, you give and take across time, uh, but you have to know yourself. You have to have that self-awareness. All right. Well, it looks like we had some uh, internet issues on my side, uh, third, third world country issues, but uh, it is what it is. Anyway, Rich, I, I appreciate having you here. Good luck on your run. And uh, we'll talk next week. Thanks, Alan. Take care. You too. Next time on the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we welcome back Dr. Anna Kabeca and discuss her book, Menu Pause. Five unique eating plans to break through your weight loss plateaus and improve your mood, sleep, and hot flashes. Until then, have a happy and healthy week. 